welcome to Questions from the Closet. I'm Ben Shalati. And I'm Charlie Bird. Each episode, we discuss a question that we commonly get asked as LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. We're not trying to answer this question or come to a consensus, but simply sharing our perspectives. Today's question is, what is your gay agenda? Ben and I are not terribly diverse, and we share many opinions and life experiences. For example, we are both terrible daily planners. However, there are some pretty big differences. For example, I actually have an agenda and a planner. And I definitely do not. You do not. I hate organizing, like, time. It's awful. Like, whenever I go on vacation, I just, like, it paralyzes me. I'm like, I don't know how to decide what to do, where to go, how to organize it. I feel like with a vacation, I'm really good. But just in my daily life, terrible. I'm I'm terrible. So that's why I started going on tours. I just, like, pay someone to organize everything for me. really? It's great. Oh my gosh, I would never do that. I am so fun to like have a long, but not great at making decisions. I don't think I've had a daily planner since my mission. And before that, in elementary school, remember those agendas that they were like holographic and you could scratch them? Yes, I do. I love those. <laughs> Maybe I need to give me one of those. Then I'd plan better. So I stopped. I started using the calendar app on my phone because uh-huh. I like double booked myself a couple times and hadn't realized it. And I was like, I got to stop doing this. So now I just write everything down. And with you, it's so hard to plan with you. I'm like, Charlie, you're free to plan this podcast in like two weeks. And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, like, Ben well, always is like, please remember you have this, this, and this this week. And I'm like, thank, thank you, Ben. How do you know this? That's <laughs> on my calendar. We would like to provide a variety of voices and perspectives. So today we're joined once again by Sarah Keller Langford. Hi, guys. So happy to be back. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, for those people who did not listen to the episode, Should I Go on a Mission? Tell us just a little bit about yourself. Great. I am a bisexual woman married to a gay man. We've been married now for just under seven years from New Jersey. Um, I really, really, really love people. So people think that there's this agenda that we have as gay people that we're trying to like take over the world and destroy the family and change society and do all these things that are going to like bring down the the powers of Satan to, right. to, to the earth. And that's not what we're about. <laughs> and and I, I've seen like like quippy memes where people are like the gay agenda is this they'll be like do my laundry go grocery shopping watch netflix it's like the gay agenda is just like a regular life i'm actually super curious for both of you guys and i'm, I'm sorry i know like last time we did this i, I love how you interview us on our own podcast <laughs> go for it we love it i want to know like where you guys first heard like the phrase gay agenda do you remember when those words put themselves together in your mind like did you hear them read them did someone else say it to you like where did that come from? Yeah, I, I mostly heard it on Fox News and at church. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not trying to like at any news station, but <laughs> but um, I, I generally saw this from religious conservative people who were worried about like increased LGBTQ representation in mm. media and policies that would give a little bit more leeway and rights to gay people. Yeah, and, um, and how those policies would like affect the children. Mm. Exactly. And so especially during like 2008 Proposition 8 in California, right. it's always so interesting looking back knowing that I was gay the whole time, but like the way I like reinforce homophobic ideas because I was scared of myself. I was one of the gay agendaers and been like, everyone's trying to shove this gay agenda. It it was almost like a recruitment process. Like I viewed being gay as a recruitment process rather than just something that people are born with. And I remember like I was 24 and I was reading some story about Rome and they were saying like that Rome fell because of homosexuality. I was like, homosexuality is going to destroy our nation too. Yeah. I was 24. I was like a real adult. Whoa. It's just, you know, for me, like the gay agenda, um, for me, it's very closely connected to Prop 8. Like 2008, I was a junior in high school um, when that happened. And I don't know, I think it was a Sunday school lesson. Um, Someone talked about it. They used it as as an example of like 
Sodom and Gomorrah. And this was the slippery slope. I always have heard it as like the beginning of the slippery slope. Right. Right. Like if we let the gay agenda happen or be written and like what's next. Right. And I like, where do we draw the line? Exactly. It's really, um, it's really interesting because when I push people on what the gay agenda is like, well, like what is it exactly? No one can articulate it. And I'm like, well, what, like, what is it exactly? Like what, which maybe is like a good lesson just in general, um, like naming our fears. Like to be honest, I think yeah. I know what it is. I, I think it's people who feel uncomfortable seeing gay people. Hmm. Tell me, tell me, what do you mean by that? So I, I've had a lot of people tell me like, it's fine that you're gay. Just stop shoving it in our face. Hmm. Right. So it's like, and, and it kind of comes along the lines of like, that's cool that you're gay, but why do you have to come out publicly? Right. And that's cool that you're gay, but like, I don't want my kids to see two dudes holding hands in the park. One time I, I was having, and this was before I was even out. I was in a conversation where people were talking about that and I was just listening and I was like, is this true? Like, do are gay people always shoving their lives in other people's faces and being like overtly loud? And then the next day we had state conference for my YSA stake. And to begin his talk, the stake president called his wife up and they held hands at the pulpit and they talked about how they met and how long they dated. And then they kissed each other. And then she went back and sat down and then he gave his talk. And I was like, straight people shove their sexuality in my face all the time. And I was thinking about like movies and every Disney movie and every romantic comedy I've ever seen. And every time I've been outside and like seen any couple ever, it's like straight people in every song I've ever listened to on the radio and every book I've ever read and every form of media that I've ever consumed has been heteronormative and it's fine. Like I'm okay with that. I think it's beautiful when two people fall in love. And so that was the first time when I was kind of like, what's the difference right and that's the thing because it's, it's hypocritical to be like two guys holding hands that's shoving it in my face but i'm gonna get married and have a big party for everybody mm-hmm. and i'm gonna re- remind you about that every year yeah well i think it's really when you wait yeah anniversaries right mm-hmm. right sarah we do not want to hear about your and brandon's anniversary <laughs> oh my gosh you guys <laughs> i'm just kidding just, i love it yeah so and, wonderful. and obviously we have no problems with like weddings or anniversaries. Yeah, we think it's beautiful but but it's just it's just hypocritical to be like well you're shoving it in my face because people just don't realize that gay people are just doing the same thing that straight people are doing so let's let's unpack this just like a little bit right okay i don't know who i'm talking to in this moment i mean clearly i'm talking to ben and charlie but like i'm just going to paint a picture for Let's call her Jane Doe. Jane Doe is scared of the gay agenda. And Can we make it Karen? Oh, no. No, my mother-in-law's name is Karen, guys. Don't do it. It would be a disaster. Um, Okay, like Jane Doe. And uh, Jane doesn't see the 98. She sees 100 couples. She doesn't see the 98 straight couples that are kissing and holding hands. All that she sees are the two couples that are gay. And I guess my question for Jane would be is just like... What does that say about you that that's the only ones that you see? Like, I'm so curious about that, right? And it's, and I don't know what Jane's answer would be, but I'd want to have a conversation with her a little bit more about why. What does that mean? Like, if the gay agenda is realized in the worst possible way, what does that actually look like? I think 100% is that their kids will be gay. Their kids will be gay. Their kids will be gay. We're going to turn children gay. Is there anything else? Like, Like maybe families? The deterioration of the family unit. Okay, what else? I've also heard that like certain wars have been started because of homosexuality, like Vietnam. Really? I don't, I don't know about that. You never heard that? Someone taught me that in church once. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's kind of rough. I heard that Hurricane Katrina happened because of the gays. Stop it. Are (laughs) you joking? No, I'm not joking. Well, the thing is like, 
it, it's like funny and we can joke about it, but like people actually believe yeah, this, right? And, and so like it, to an extent, it's like n- not funny because it's like th- this is a reality that people face. And like, how do we overcome this? Like, how do we overcome the fear of people who are different than us and and those people wanting a place at the table? I don't know. I think transparency is like a big part of it. I mean, I really believe in demystification just in general. Yeah. Like, I love the mystery, right? But I mean, like, especially fears, you know, if you can't see it, it's really hard to be scared of it. Or it's really easy to be scared of it. Okay, let's let's revisit the first thing. Okay, what if your child is gay? I'm looking at two of the best people that I know, Ben Shalati and Charlie Bird. And if anyone's Aww. children ended up like these two people, you would be lucky. Because let me, let me tell you what that means. It means that you're kind. It means you're compassionate. It means you're empathetic. It means that you show up for other people. It means that you're brave enough to share your story um, because you care about the world. You know, you understand that you have like an eternal mission and a role and like you're here to live it and feel it like, Tell me, tell me what's bad about that. That was super kind of you, Sarah. Thank you. I mean it, though. And you I, know? I know that my parents are so proud of me, uh-huh. like so proud of me. But I also know that like my being gay has been hard for them. Yeah. Not not just because they like, not because I'm gay, but just because my life isn't the life that they expected. Right. Yeah. It's it's hard to be a pioneer. It's hard to be like the first in anything. We know that. Like we've seen that. I don't. I don't know what it's like to be a parent and to have my child be gay. I don't know what that's like. But I can tell you that I feel like it says so much about you, parent, that I'm seeking to, that God chose your child to be this person in this place, to be this, to be this missionary, to be this pioneer, to be this incredible vessel for love. And I hope that you would wear that with like a bit of pride because the people that have impacted me most powerfully are the, your children. I would hope that like you're your greatest fear would become like your greatest joy. Well, all that said, like the gay agenda isn't to turn people gay. No, it's not. And like the deterioration of the family, like let's, I want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what is that? Go ahead, Charlie. You have a thought. Yeah, I do have a thought. So, so over the summer I was talking to one of my friends and he'd started dating this girl and they were like getting really serious. Talk about talking about marriage. Uh, I asked him, I was like, say you marry this girl and then down the road, I end up marrying a guy and have a husband. How does my relationship affect your relationship? And he was like, it wouldn't. And I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> that's it. Like, I, I'm not going to try to destroy his relationship because I like him and yeah. I like her and I think it's great. And like me having a same sex relationship wouldn't really affect his relationship at all. So that's really my only that's all I know about the deterioration of the family. Other than that, like I love families. Like I love my family. I love when my friends get married and find their person. I love when they have kids. It makes me so happy. And I would never want to do anything to destroy that or change that or put a wrench in that plan. When something like amazing happens for you or people that you love, like it just seems like, well, why wouldn't you want more of it? I don't know. Like, why wouldn't you want more people to be happy? Have you guys seen the episode of Parks and Rec. The answer is yes. With the gay one? penguins. With, with the gay penguins, right? <laughs> <I love this laughs> right? And they like, I, I don't know, like the couple and he's like, why Why do you care so much about this? And like, well, gay people getting married <laughs> ruins marriage for the rest of us. And there's like, you know, everyone is like clearly laughing about this that's watching the show because it's so ridiculous, right? But I love that quote because it just, it like puts so starkly like, 
really at what seems to be the heart of the fear that like this would really really like why would this why would this ruin marriage so like let's go back to Jane Doe Jane Doe like I would just invite you to consider like if that's like your fear that this will somehow ruin marriage for you I want to understand a little bit about maybe why that is right and maybe that says a lot more about you than it does about anyone else well, and the thing is, I don't think we're asking Jane to change her stance on marriage equality. No. Like, it, that, that's not what we're asking, but it would be really nice if she looked at things and was like, all these gay people are saying that they're unheard and that they need more. Like, why? What are the reasons? And if she could look and see that LGBTQ youth are three times more likely to commit suicide than their peers, maybe she would see why it's important to have representation and resources. Right. And if she could see that acceptance... Of, of a gay person reduces the risk of suicide by 40%. This is huge. That's 40%. Just having one person who says, I see you and I get it. Jane could be that person for someone. Yeah. And so whatever she believes about marriage, whatever she believes about family and covenants or any of that, if she could just see that there are people who are hurting and there are children of God who are not given opportunities or resources or representation, maybe her view on the gay agenda would change and maybe the gay agenda would become part of Christ's agenda, which is to lift people out of oppression and yes. to lift people onto the a, a field of equality and joy and love rather than shame and darkness and isolation. Let's talk about that. Like, I feel like let's talk more about what the gay agenda actually means for each of us. Like, Charlie, you, you started kind of touching on it. Like, what do you tell me more about how you came to that conclusion? Yeah. So, I mean, when I think about increased representation and resources, it, had that existed when I was younger, had the gay agenda been more visible to me, I would think about like the shame that I wouldn't have to undergo and the isolation that I wouldn't have to feel and the paranoia and the loss that I perceived without all of those extra weights that I had on myself that society put there. How much more could I have done? How much more could I have been? How much more could I have served if I wasn't weighed down by all of this, this like social baggage just because I was born. Right. Yeah. You know, I, we like have an actual agenda, like something that we're trying to accomplish and it's not about gay marriage or turning kids gay. Cause we couldn't do that even if we want to, and we don't. <laughs> um, but you know, as I think about like what my agenda is and like what my purpose and what I like in my speaking out and writing a book and doing this podcast. And uh, it really is summed up by what elder Ballard said at BYU back in 2018. He said, we need to listen to and understand what our LGBT brothers and sisters are feeling and experiencing. Certainly, we must do better than we have done in the past so that all members feel they have a spiritual home where their brothers and sisters love them and where, where they have a place to worship and serve the Lord. And that's what I'm all about, is helping people listen to and understand their LGBT brothers and sisters and that acknowledgement that we have to do better than we've done in the past. And, and then just building off of that, Sister Eubank in the most recent general conference in October 2020, she said, we may not yet be where we want to be, and we are not now where we will be. I believe the change we seek in ourselves and the groups we belong to will come less by activism and more by actively trying every day to understand one another. Why? Because we are building Zion, a people of one heart and one mind. So my agenda is to build Zion. And we build Zion by really seeing what's in one another's hearts. And so you know, on this podcast, Charlie and I, we share our hearts. And then we invite people like you, Sarah, to come and share your hearts too. And we hope that as, as we speak out, that more people will be empowered to speak out. And that's how we're going to build Zion, by helping people share their hearts. What I found again and again, and this happens with, with all kinds of people, when I share my story, they just intuitively want to share theirs. 
And I have heard so many beautiful stories that aren't LGBT related just because I was vulnerable and opened up that someone respond, like reciprocated with, with vulnerability. And those are the moments when I felt like I've been building Zion in those one-on-one times where I'm sharing my heart and then someone wants to share theirs too. I love that. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we have like a strong tradition of testimony. You know, we really believe in the importance of like testifying in order to move people. And I mean, it's so important to us that we set aside the first Sunday of every single month to give people the opportunity to go to the pulpit and share why they love their Savior, why they believe in Jesus Christ. And when I see like these these examples, the representation, the posts from the two of you or the articles, the things that people might say are uh, shoving the gay agenda, like, I'm just like, maybe let's reframe it for a second. Like, maybe it's just... Like, maybe it's testimony, and actually not maybe, I think it is testimony. There's someone that's standing up and testifying of themselves, of their love for themselves, of their of their Heavenly Father, um, of each other. And for me, that's when I, like, think about what the gay agenda is. You know, going back to kind of how all of us met and really worked together on, like, BYU, the BYU Working Group. It was about ministry, you know, it was about showing up for each other. And something that I really loved about that group, I'm going to, I don't know if we've ever fully talked about the story of that group on this podcast yet, and maybe one day we will. One of the things that I loved about that group was that there was so much diversity and like thought and execution. Um, We showed up for each other, you know, like I showed up for someone who was really conservative, who had a lot of anxiety around words like gay and lesbian and wanted to use phrases like same-sex attraction I'm like you know what like I'm here to show up for them like that's I'm here to show up for them and to show up for their right to believe what they believe that's what I hope that they would do for me and that's that's what I see in this community yeah I remember you know we did have a lot of diversity on that group just like of you know people on all sides of the LGBTQ spectrum and like with faith and and the church and and whatnot and I remember when we were putting out flyers for that the event that we were yeah. that we were in I walked around campus with 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 two people from the group who were probably on the most opposite sides and the three of us walked around campus and we we put up posters and, and we just like laughed and had the best time and I thought what an odd trio that we are yeah people with such different life viewpoints and goals and yet we love and care about each other and we're working on this together. Well, I mean, like, that's where the miracles happen, right? Like, I think the most incredible miracle from the Book of Mormon, and Ben and Charlie, you both have talked, I talked to you guys about this, is like, where the anti-Nephi-Lehi's are like, made this covenant with God and said, I will not raise my hand against my brother. You know, I made a covenant with God that I said I would not raise the sword. And they're killed, you know? Like, there was no angel that came and interceded on their behalf. But like, the miracle that came out of it was like, their sons and their, their sons, and I'm, I put and daughters, like, you know, in there at the Stripling Warriors and they were protected. And when the moment came, like they were completely pr- and this incredible miracle happened. Sarah, I just love what you said about how, you know, the, the faith of this, of one generation led to the salvation of the next. Yeah. And I've, I've said this a lot. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm old, you know, I'm, I'm in my, thir- I'm in my mid thirties, <laughs> I'm 36 and, and, you know, I, I feel like, I've kind of made it through a lot of the tough time. You know, I, yeah. feel, I feel like I'm 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 gonna be okay. Like I've got a I've got a clear trajectory of what I want my life to look like. And when I look at the the younger kids, like in their teens and twenties, who are just like coming to themselves, like honestly, I feel like I'm doing this work for them. Yeah, like it's not this isn't for me. It's for it's for the people coming after. Which is hard, you know. Like kind of an honestly, 
sometimes it's frustrating because it seems like, oh my gosh, we're having the same conversations 50 years later, like the same arguments about representation and gender and sexuality. And then like, I stopped myself for a minute. I'm like, no, like we are further along. And like, I'm so grateful that my mom like tefted out in medical school (laughs) and tefted out in her residency program where she was the mother of six children. (laughs) You know, I know she's amazing. My mom's amazing. She's my mom's amazing. She's a spectacular human being. And, you know, I, I think that like acknowledging like the gratitude, like having gratitude for those that came before us, like really believing that we're building on the shoulders of giants is important. And going back to what Ben said, that that's why I support the gay, like that's my gay agenda, right? Yeah. That's why I share things. That's why I share experiences and try to create resources because I know what it's like. Yeah. Like I know what it's like to not have any trajectory whatsoever and feel buried when people crawl out, crawl out of that to any extent and are willing to like give that space to someone else and say, you know what, I've cleared out this much of the path, come down it with me and then we can clear more together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something really beautiful there. And just, I keep going back to this, this time when we were all on this working group at BYU. And that was my first time, like officially being part of a gay agenda. You know, <laughs> um, I was my senior year at BYU and I was actually not out Mm-hmm. Um, I was out to a couple of friends and most of my family, but this space was so like necessary for my improvement for, for who I've become. And that year I spent interacting with people who were like literally Ben, I wrote this in my book, like watching you in, in your confidence and your vulnerability and how just good you were. And, and Sarah, the way you understand how to like phrase things and put words together and like just meet people where they're at. I I spent this entire year learning from some of the greatest minds and the greatest souls that this church has to offer. Like I really believe that. And then to see later down the road, how even when some of the things that we were like writing up or proposing got shot down and didn't go through, like the character building experience that was and how that affected my ability to advocate and help in this space. Now that's, that's like so valuable. It's unprecedented my experience with the real gay agenda being inclusion, belonging, love, long suffering, charity. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep with that gay agenda. Like, cause it's made me better. Charlie, I remember after some of the meetings, I would, I would drive you home because it was like dark and winter. And, and sometimes we'd sit in my car and talk for a while. Mm-hmm. And I just remember those, you know, us talking and me like being your mentor. And I was like sobbing reading your book when you said you like wished you could be as brave as me. And then like you are like you're super brave. And like I feel like my agenda is just I want to empower people. Like if I could help you a little bit to be okay with who you are and you can do all this, you know, I'm willing to sit with anyone who needs to learn a little bit of how to be brave. I really hope that whoever is so scared and is feeling like something is being shoved down their throats that they would like care enough about me as a person to at least try to talk to me about it and like wrestle it out with me, man. Like I will do my best to try to not like convert somebody <laughs> into something or to bring them to my side. Like I'm, I'm only human. Right. But, and I really, I really do believe there's, there are magical miraculous things that come from like just showing up and talking about what it is that's making you feel so scared in the first place. Because what I don't, for me, like to me, the negative repercussions of believing in a gay agenda is just completely shutting out a group of people. Yeah. Like shutting out yourself to what that could be for you. And when I say what that could be, I mean like, 
I don't know, the opportunity to grow and like stretch yourself. And and if you cut out gay people from your life, you're cutting off part of the body of Christ and you don't have a full functioning body. Right. And yeah, we're all poor if we aren't all together. Yes. We need the tension. We need the wrestle. We need the, we need the clarity. And like, it doesn't, I really try hard not to live in a vacuum. You know, I try hard not to like surround myself with people that only think and look and act like me. And, you know, I love the primary song. (laughs) Sometimes we make jokes about it when we're teasing each other, but it's really like, if you don't act like most people or walk like most people do, some people may laugh and point at you, but I won't. And Ben, I'm going to steal something from you. Please do. (laughs) But give it back. Okay, I will. (laughs) Well, I feel like I've never been rejected or misunderstood by someone who's actually taken time to get to know me and my story. Amen. And then it all makes sense. You know, anyone who's ever put forth the effort to try to understand what it's like comes out with an understanding and and it loses judgment. It loses fear. It loses any negativity just to be like, oh, I see this person. Yeah. So part of my gay agenda is I, I do a lot and I'm grateful to it. Like I love speaking in classes at BYU. You know, I love giving firesides and fifth Sunday lessons. Um, you know, I love writing and I love doing this podcast. Like, like I love what I do, but sometimes I get really tired. Yeah. And part of my gay agenda is I want other people to step up as well. I don't want to say it like that. Let's no, 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 say it. Like say that. it. Like it's, <laughs> no, you. It's really hard. It's exhausting, and and we've touched on this in previous episodes. It's so hard to always be expected to educate everyone on all parts of this experience. Like we're, we're just one person, and and that's right. really hard. And and so, how much better? Well, we're literally three people, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Well, can I cut you off for a second? Yeah. So so. I don't want people to be like, oh, Ben is too busy. He's too tired. I'm therefore not going to ask him to do things. Like, no, I want to keep doing things. But I also, I also want people who, who feel inspired to, who, who, feel, who feel this call to, to, let, to like stand up and, and start doing, doing work as well. That doesn't mean doing what I do, but like doing whatever you feel called to do. I, I've been thinking about this a lot this, this last week, just like, because there's this verse in Doctrine and Covenants, I think it's section 50 or 60, where it talks about how, how the Lord wasn't well pleased with his servants because they were hiding their talents. Mm. And I've thought about the times when when I felt prompted before I'd come out to anyone to come out to someone and how I was so afraid that I couldn't do it. And I don't think the Lord was well pleased with that because he was inspiring me to do something that I didn't do. And then once I started having the courage to do what I was inspired to do, like my life got so much better. And I, I hope that other people's lives have gotten better as well because I, I, I finally had the courage to do what I was being asked to do. So part of what I want to do is just help people to have the courage to follow those promptings they're receiving, whatever they are. I would like invite you to consider how much you're willing to let your desire to remain comfortable like how far are you willing to go with that? Like because the consequences are of that are sometimes other people's lives. The consequences of wanting to maintain the status quo or like your reality of your opinions is is someone else's lives, you know? Like the statistics that Charlie was sharing, those are real. The in between is hard. The path to uh suicide is it's hard. There's anxiety, there's depression, there's isolation. And what's so frustrating is that there are things that we can do about it. And we're, we're trying really hard. You know, I've been feeling an increased like desire to make invitations to anyone who listens to these podcasts. And mm-hmm. I've, I've been kind of like pushing against that because it feels awkward to be like, dear listener, please do this. But like, 
Yeah. If you feel inspired to do something or share something or say something or look into a resource or learn something, please do it. And and Ben has said this before, it's so hard for one person to do 10 things, but if 10 people do one thing, like how much better are we? Yeah. Um, and so I just want to extend that invitation as we're kind of wrapping things up to like help, <laughs> like help us, help us create a space that allows people to live and see and be seen and help us create a Zion environment where everyone can feel Christ's love. Yeah. An environment where we can follow an apostolic invitation to listen and understand our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. I love that. I would invite to consider what the invitation is within your discomfort. You know, what is the invitation that God is extending to you? Like, what is God asking of you in this moment of frustration and discomfort? Because I know that the answer that you will find will surprise you. Me too. And, and honestly, like, I don't feel like we have the answers. Like, I'm not trying to say what what anyone or let alone the church should or shouldn't do. I just want people to get to know one another's hearts. And like, that's where the answers come from. Like, that's what Sister Eubank said. As we get to know one another's hearts, as we get to know one, one another, that's how we build Zion. And we don't have, like, I don't have to come up with the solutions because we'll do it as a community. The tragedy is to me is that a hundred percent of the time, the people that have gone to find their own community, to make their own communities that are maybe still here, like us with our little micro community here, we are right now, like, man, I would love if every award functioned the way that it was supposed to as a Zion community where it validated and observed and ministered to the one so that we wouldn't need to spend so much time and effort and energy I'm really glad that we have each other. I'm really glad that we, but it sometimes makes me sad that we need each other so much because we aren't getting it somewhere else. Definitely. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's ironic, right? It's like getting mad at people because they're going, they're finding more people that look like them and more friends. They're really, we're getting mad at people because they're finding friends and are celebrating that when really they were just asking you to be their friend all along. Can I tell you how I'll know if I succeeded? Tell me. This will be success for me. If someone listens to this podcast and says, I heard Ben's story, I heard Charlie's story, I heard Sarah's story, and they have a gay loved one or a gay friend, and they say, I want to hear your story, and they go and ask them their story. Yeah. That's how I'll know I succeeded, if all the listeners do that. Doctrine of Covenants 121 really inspires me. It's, it's a letter that Joseph Smith wrote to the saints while he was in Liberty Jail. And toward the last like seven verses are amazing. And one of the things he says is, he says, uh, we should waste and wear out our lives and bring into light all the hidden things wherein we know them. And after saying that, he says that a very large ship is is turned by a very small rudder or whatever it is, by by being kept workway with the wind and the waves. Like a very small a very small thing can can turn a big ship. And the last verse in that in that section is my favorite verse. And he says, "Wherefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power." And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see, to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And like, I know that like right now, I feel like I'm wasting away at my life feels a bit, a bit like of an exaggeration, but I feel like I'm really called to give all of me to this. And maybe like this small thing that we're doing, this little podcast could, could turn Zion in a, in, in the way that God wants it to go. And I'm just going to cheerfully do everything I can, but in the end it's God's arm that's going to really do anything. 
I just want to add real quick that every time Ben quotes a scripture or a general authority, he's not reading it. It's literally, he's just quoting it out of his head. <laughs> Honestly. So just, just so everyone knows. <laughs> There's this quote by Brigham Young that I found the other night that I just felt like it's been such a gift for me. Essentially this call to action. There is a great work for the saints to do. Progress and improve upon and make beautiful everything around you. Cultivate the earth and cultivate your minds. Build cities, adorn your habitations, make gardens, orchards, and vineyards, and render the earth so pleasant that when you do look upon your labors, that you may do so with pleasure, and that angels may delight to come and visit your beautiful locations. In the meantime, continually seek to adorn your minds with all the graces of the Spirit of Christ. That's what I'm, that's what I'm seeking to do. When I think about the cities that I want to make and the earth that I'm trying to cultivate, it's the things that we've described and talked about. And in the meantime, what I feel like that's it'll be brought about by like my sincere desire to become more like my Savior, which it means to do all that I can to hold space for other people, to be gracious, to be kind, to believe in redemption, um, to believe in repentance and the atonement. And to me, this it's like, it's hopeful. So I'm, I don't know, I'm really grateful. I'm so grateful for the two of you for like your work and for the conversations um, and for the faith, giving all of yourselves to this. I really am. And I'm just, thank you for that. It means a lot to me and I know to a lot of other people. And I just will kind of mirror that back right to you. Thank you for coming on your, your perspective and your worldview is so like shiny. It's like shiny gold and it's really beautiful. Thank you for being here. Thanks Charlie. Thank you for joining us today. And if you want to join in the Building of Zion, join that too. (laughs) If you have enjoyed this or other episodes, please consider leaving a review. And as always, please remember that we do not represent the Church of Jesus Christ of Larry Saints or Brigham Young University. We're not trying to be prescriptive or tell anyone what to think or what to do. You heard three perspectives and there are many, many more. We encourage you to listen to other voices and hear a wide variety of experiences. If you would like to submit a question or share a comment about today's episode, you can email us at questionsfromthecloset at gmail.com. Until next time.